My Mac Podcast 294, a My Mac Attack. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Two men not afraid to cry. It's the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Hey, everyone. It's MyMac Podcast 294, the 294th episode of the weekly MyMac.com podcast. As usual, I am joined by Gaz. Gaz. Good evening. How are you? I'm, or is I, it afternoon or is it morning? I don't know. I, I hate these time breaks. It yeah, just, well, I, need, I need that doctor's uh, TARDIS or something. <laughs> doctor's, oh, okay. The, oh, the, the time machine from, uh, from <laughs> Doctor yes. Who. Doctor yeah, it's, uh, it's late afternoon, early evening here, which of course means that it's roughly the middle of the night where you are. Well, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> Have you had a good week? Uh, yeah, not too bad at all. Thank you. And you? Well, I got a very interesting uh, email yesterday, and right. it necessitated me leaving my place of employment and going on a little trip. Can you guess what that was? Uh, it wasn't to an Apple store, was it? It may very well have been to an oh, Apple store. Yes, I, I got the magic email yesterday that, that they had received my, my, uh, my 64 gig 3G iPad at the, the Tyson's Corner Apple store so, here in Northern so Virginia. You've been, so you've been and beaten me. Yeah, well, it, was, it wasn't on purpose. I mean, it just, it just <laughs> happened. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I had talked to um, our illustrious leader of, of this particular website, and he had suggested that I, you know, call them every day, you know, try to get my name up in the queue. And I was like, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to do that. If if I get the email, then great. If I don't get it, well, that's okay too. Excellent, and that's just superb. And so you've got it in your hands, your hot and sticky mitts, have you? Yes, I do. Uh, they didn't have any of the, uh, you know, the, the Apple folio cases for it. So I, I just got like some cheapy little, you know, whatever they call that rubbery type of material just to give it a little bit extra protection. Just a little cheap one, you know. And yeah, yeah. I'll get something better later on. But being that this is the MyMac.com podcast, Gaz, we do have some feedback. Well, yeah, that's well. I was just going to jump in there actually on the on the iPad because in the UK and actually in the EU as well, it's been delayed for anybody who didn't get their order on the tenth of May. So anybody who pre-ordered after the tenth of May, well, perhaps a few days after the tenth of May, the deliveries have actually gone out to the seventh of June. And now, it I'm was still- it was what late May. It was, yeah, I mean, I'm still hoping to get hold of mine on the uh, 28th of May, but uh, anybody who's, who's ordered it more recently, uh, it looks like it's going to be 7th of June, which is, what, just over a week. So, uh, well, yeah, you're, you're a lucky fella, and uh, people over here are, are going to be just, well, they won't be swearing at you. They'll just be, <laughs> they'll just be spitting a bit. And snarling. <laughs> iPad envy, that's what it is. Yeah, iPad yeah. envy. Anyway, you was going to say something else there. Oh yeah, yeah. We got some we got some feedback related to uh, some of our shows. One was from our very own John Nemo, who sent me an email to remind me that the application I was looking for that would do all the things with 
you know, shifted radio content and tagging songs and all the rest of it was Pandora. So Pandora was, and we did mention that application. Yes. Yes. But, you know, I couldn't remember at the time which one it was that, that allowed you to do that, where you can listen to a song and tag it and buy it later. That was Pandora. So that was from John. That's cool. And we also got something from Kevin Bush on why I use a Mac. And, and I'm going to paraphrase this a bit as I go through it, because it was it was actually very, very well written and kind of long. And, you know, we don't oh. want to spend the whole podcast reading this letter. Well, perhaps we could put it up on the website somewhere. Might be able to. We'll see. Uh, he said that he switched to a Mac in 2007, mostly because of Vista. That he used to uh, <laughs> he used to build his own computers. And all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, is snap, snap, snap. <laughs> but he he had built a a computer about a year and a half before it was released, and when it did come out, it didn't support his motherboard, so he decided to try a Mac. And he pretty much went all in. He now has a 2006 Mac Pro with a 23 inch cinema display. He also nice. has a 2008 MacBook, an Apple TV, an iPod Touch, and an iPad. And he says he's soon going to get a pair of iPhones for both himself and his wife when the new models are released. He says that he's not, he's not, you know, not a fanboy, but he is a bit obsessed with Apple, and that you know, <laughs> Apple has its flaws, but of course, so does everyone else. But he that he trusts them more than he does. Companies like Google or they, Dell, they they do that to you, don't they? They yeah. do that. I I was never going to be a fanboy. That's what I thought. I'll get into it, and you know, you kind of from the outside understand that there's a little bit of fanboy action going on. But you know, oh, I'm never going to be. And yeah, and here we look are. At, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on what three three Mac podcasts? Three or four. Yeah. <laughs> well, who's counting? No, no one's counting. No. Um, he's a he's a web designer, and he uses the Mac for all of his work. He Excellent. says OSX gets out of his way and lets him focus on his work, that, that he couldn't live without spaces, quick look, or time machine, and all three of them have changed the way that he works. Uh, he switched that's, his that, he, That's funny. I've got to say that spaces for me is something which I've never really got into, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's cool that he has. Yeah, I've, I've never used it myself. Um, one of the things that I think spaces is really good for is if you have a, a lot of programs open, at any particular time and you know you don't have four or five monitors sitting around to move all your windows spaces is good because you can say okay well i'm going to use this particular one for final cut pro and i'm going to use this one for yeah that's right i mean i've I've got a large a large screen for the mac mini but i've also got the macbook and i've tried to use it on you know the large screen i don't need to use it i can place everywhere all the applications that i need in in the play in the correct segment on the screen i know how to get to them and i use um Da- uh, not dashboard. Um, oh, oh, the spaces? button you press. Sp- no, no, not spaces. The button you press and and everything shrinks and uh, that you can see everything. Oh, expose. On the screen. Expose. Good, good, good. I'm not that much of a fanboy. Am yeah, I, I pulled uh, that right up. <laughs> and uh, good Mac- save, um, guy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and on the MacBook, I tried to use spaces, but it just just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't roll in with the, obviously the way I work. I'm obviously some freak. <laughs> no, I've I actually I, I've never used it myself, and you know I've been an Apple guy since 1987. Yeah, uh, he he says he switched his mother over to the Mac, and now she has a MacBook, an iMac, an iPod, and an iPad. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Brilliant. you know, basically, Apple's last quarter was great because of <laughs> Kevin Bush. So, yeah. thank you, Kevin. Right. Yeah, um, well done, Kev. He he does complain a bit about the app approval for the App Store. Yeah, which is yeah. you know that's that's understandable but i think they're looking at that and trying to improve that so yeah. that's good 
And surprise, surprise, he doesn't like Flash. Nor nor does somebody else in Apple. No, no. And, you know, the the kind of pertinent part there is that he is a a web designer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get caught onto that straight away. Yeah, he even says that he despises sites that use Flash for no other reason than being too lazy to code properly. Then there's, you know, there are some proper applications for it. But it just seems to be a smaller percentage than what Adobe Adobe claims for Flash usage. He mm. says needing Flash, and I'm gonna. This is the last bit here. Needing Flash or just using it because because it's there are two different things. I simply slideshow on a web page. Wait a second. Oh boy, that's worded kind of weird. It says a simple slideshow on a web page doesn't need to be Flash anymore. HTML and JavaScript can do this just fine. And then he ends with, hope I didn't ramble too long. Love the podcast. Keep it up, guys. Kevin, thanks. Well, thanks. For, yeah, we really love the, the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's got a very pertinent point there at the end about, you know, I, the thing is, people get lazy, don't they? And they're going to take the easy option. If Flash can do it easy and you're used to using it and you throw it in there, that's what they're doing. So, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, well, not, the, not, whole, the whole thing to remember point, is that made. Flash, at, at one point, people had to learn how to use Flash. You know, the developers yeah. had to use had to learn how to use Flash, and all of the uh, the tricks that they used before Flash came along. Of course, I'm sure there were people back then saying, "Oh, I don't need Flash. I can you know do it with this or do it with that, or QuickTime for God's sake, you know, or or, or Windows Media Player or something along those lines." Okay, well, those all went away because Flash was easier to use. So the lesson that can be kind of drawn here is, okay, well, Flash had its time. And now we're moving on to new and better tools. That doesn't mean that Flash is going to go away tomorrow. Just that there's, you know, there's there's different ways to do it now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Good stuff, good stuff. Yep. We love feedback, so send it in. Yep. Feedback, you, feedback at mymac.com. That's right. You can also reach either Gaz or me. Uh, I can be reached at twitter.com slash macparrot. Uh, and me, just go into Twitter and look for Gazmaz. You, you, you'll, you'll find me. There's you'll, only you'll see, one. You'll see the face. <laughs> well, taking a look at what's going on over at the MyMac.com website, there is a ton, simply a ton of new articles that have yeah, gone up. It's, it, it's suddenly just, it's just a plethora of articles up there, a, a, a plethora. Uh, yes, and quite, uh, uh, quite apropos, the, the first one is there was a Toon fan review by John Nemorowski, our very own John Nemo. Toon fan, of course, was one of the prizes that we gave away in our last contest. And then there's um, a first look at Adobe InDesign CS5 by Mark Rudd. Uh, there's the G Drive Mobile USB 500 gigabyte external hard drive review, also by John Nemo. Um, the Wi-Fi long range Wi-Fi adapter from San. Sa- oh, excuse me, sorry, Sam. Sam Negri. <laughs> the Pro Runner X 450 AW review by Mark Rudd. Now, uh, I actually saw this product that because Mark was using this at MacWorld, and it was very very nice. And and I had this like big monster case that you know it it had a pull handle thank god because i would have like been tilting to one side or the other the whole time i was at macworld and this particular this particular backpack slash kind of carry case that mark had was was really very nice cool and the the next item that's on there is car md by owen rubin now 
I, I looked at that and I thought, what, car MD? What, what's that? But for me, I suppose we'd call that a car doctor. So if you've got an engine um, light on your car and it is, if your car's running poorly, if you want to know what it is, basically take a look at the review on this and see whether this device is going to be useful to you. Yep. There's a three-in-one battery charger review by Sam Negri. Uh, the Macali Bookstand iPad Case Review from Donny uh, Yankiello. Yankiello. No, Yankiello. Yankiello. <laughs> Sorry, Donny. <laughs> the, uh, the Yamaha EPH-30B Arctic Cooling E361-MW and iFrog's Ozone Ear Pollution Budget Earbuds. This was kind of a kind of a budget earbuds shootout review, by uh, again, by John Nemo. And uh, uh, I won't get the name wrong this time. Macali Ensu <laughs> iPad case by <laughs> Donnie Yankelo. The, oh, what is that? Colcasac Col- Col- Kindle case review. Kindle? Who brought that in? <laughs> that's, by, yeah. uh, that's by Elisa Purcelli. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's worth a read. Worth yeah, it is. Uh, and the iPad 3G data plan reality check. Um, and that's uh, John Nemo. Our good friend takes a look at some. Um... Well, it was it was kind of a, a, a three way conversation with uh, uh, Elisa Paselli, David Weeks, and Roger Bourne. I need to listen to that. Or read. I need or, to take a read. Or read it. So, yeah, I need <laughs> yeah. to read it. But there's all kinds of of great stuff at the mymac.com website, and we'd really really like for you guys to go on over and, and take a look. Good stuff. Yep. And that's going to bring us up to our first break. So we'll be back in in just a minute. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Gaz. And Guy from the MyMac.com podcast. And we have a special offer for those who want to reach a broad audience of Macintosh, iPod, iPhone, or iPad users. Who would those people be, Guy? Any company offering hardware, software, or services related to Apple's products that want to reach a tech-savvy, diverse, and a worldwide market. That sounds like it would fit right in with our audience, Guy. If only there was some way they could, you know, let our listeners know about their products. Funny you should say that, Gaz, because there is a way that they can. What? There's a way that software and hardware vendors could actually talk directly to our large audience? Sure is. All they have to do is advertise on the MyMac.com podcast. What if they want banner ads on the MyMac.com website? Well, for an extra charge, we'll give them banner ads, too. No, I don't think so. What? What do you say no to? Well, how about this? They advertise on the MyMac.com podcast, and we give them the banner ads on the MyMac.com website for free. <laughs> That's just crazy talk. Only way I'll be a part of it, Guy. All right, all right. We'll throw in the banner ads for free. That's more like it. So how do people find out more information? Simply send an email to ads at MyMac.com. That's A-D-S, ads at MyMac.com. Oh, that sounds easy enough. So send in your requests for more information to ads at MyMac.com. And thanks for listening to the podcast. The path to true enlightenment can take many forms, but this probably isn't one of them. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. And welcome back to the MyMac.com podcast. Well, 
this evening we've got something slightly different as we have got um well actually he's a guy that i have listened to uh on a podcast when i first started back in 2007 and i've got to say I love the shows, absolutely love the shows. And I'm not just saying that to, because he's on because here he's tonight. Here. <laughs> but I, I went through, and there's not many podcasts that I've gone through and gone through the back catalogue and actually listened to everyone. And that's what I did very early on with Steve Stangers, the Mac Attack podcast. Good evening, Steve. How are you? Hi, Gaz. Hi, Guy. Hey. I, I, I don't even know what to say after that introduction. I mean, anything else I say or open my mouth about is going to pale in comparison <laughs> you like me you really like me <laughs> yeah uh, well steve I, I know that uh, uh i was really quite disappointed i mean one what there's one phrase that i will always remember and it's one phrase that actually got me you know i thought this is why i've come over to the mac and it was back up back up back up <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> And that's one thing that Steve used to say all the time on those podcasts. And I tell you, I tell you, Steve, it worked. It worked for me because I now back up, back up, back up. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It, and it's it's funny that you bring that up. The very first episode was about backing up, and it was actually based on probably a like a, a talk that I've been giving for years, uh, you know, before even podcasting to, you know, the, the Mac user groups in the area and stuff. I mean, going as far back probably touching on it as far back as even the OS nine days. So that was kind of around that. I remember that kind of became like the, the kind of the punchline at the end or the, the tagline at the, at the end of the yeah, talk is right, that whole yeah. backup, backup, backup thing. Because now, I mean, even when I had started the show back in, in 2005, storage was pretty inexpensive that there was no reason why people didn't have an excuse to at least burn stuff to a, a CD or a DVD and, you know, even if they stored it in the closet, okay, not exactly yeah. the perfect backup. It's just <laughs> but at least it's there. But it's there. Um, you know, or even having an, an external drive. Again, it's a copy, but at least there's a second version of it. And again, not perfect. But now it it amazes me how many people still don't. Still don't. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing is, there are so many. I mean, you look at, at the, the two main tools other than Apple's solution for backing mm -hmm. up, which, of course, is Carbon Copy Cloner right. and Super Duper. Now, these are both free products. There is absolutely no charge for either one of these products. And, you know, the, the one thing you get by getting, I guess you can call it the, the pro version of these two apps, is the ability to kind of, you know, time your backups in the middle of the night so that it's not interrupting your, your regular workflow. Well, not not only that guy, but obviously it'll also do. Certainly, Super Duper will do a smart backup as well, so it'll only back up the yeah. items that yeah. that you know that are new. And I can assure most people, once they've got these um, uh, these backup utilities, they're light. They're very likely to go and pay for them because yeah. they are just they're two really good apps. Now, but these... I do a I do a combination. I use Time Machine. I also use. Uh, I actually use Super Duper. Yeah. Um, and I do some cloning, so I've got several clones of uh, my uh, of my hard drives as well. Send because clones. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And are it's... you guys also doing off-site backup? Because that's the other thing too that wasn't <laughs> huge and really wasn't, or it was around but not super affordable to you know the the average computer user. But doing the off-site stuff, are you guys? I mean, well, I do, I do. I do, sure you I, guys do too. I do, but I cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Got... You put it on a hard drive and you take it with you. Yes. <laughs> it sits in the trunk of his car. 
Oh. No, it sits at work, actually. It sits at work. <laughs> so, and that, that one obviously is uh, generally uh, a little bit older, but at least it, it's something which I've got. And that's one, I mean, that was one of the things that actually pushed me over because uh, other than, you know, Vista coming out and me having to upgrade my PC, I was getting fed up of all the um, administration that I was doing, and I had a couple of failures. And I'd had backups, but backups on Windows when it was XP was just a nightmare to get to get back from. So, yeah, uh, pushed me over the edge. One thing you, you mentioned early on there, uh, Steve, which I'd like to just uh, um, have a quick conversation around, sure. if I may, user groups. Yeah, how, I wanted to bring how, that up too. How relevant do you think they are these days? You know, it's funny. We've spoken about this, and just to kind of plug one of the other shows I do is, is Mac Roundtable. Now, a lot of the people on the Mac Roundtable, and it's different podcasters and stuff, of course, Mac right. podcasters, they all have different opinions about user groups. My local Mac user group fell apart. Yeah. Um, so many of them have. Well, yeah, it, it, not because of, you know, it was basically a a SIG. I mean, it was basically a special interest group of a larger PC-based user group. And there were struggles there, and then there were struggles between who was, you know, people that wanted to be in officers charge. in charge of the Mac user group. And I'm like thinking to myself, you know what? I deal with this kind of garbage at work. <laughs> yeah. This is supposed to be fun. fun. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right. And it was like, this is where I want to come, open up my MacBook, sit back and watch you guys entertain me. I want to watch you, you know, either be the one sitting back being entertained and learning something or getting up front and doing something. Um, so it, it went from a group of people, a very strong mix. Again, this is my local. This is a computer user group, not, not this, necessarily well, no, no, Mac well, specific. Actually, well, this was the Mac sp specific one. Well, the SIG um, was. The SIG, right. Well, it was so weird. It was spun off as a SIG and then became a Mac user group. So it became kind of encapsulated. Was that the NJ mug? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Actually, uh, I don't know. Did Was that what they were originally? Because they're, they were also known as like New Jersey like Surf Mac or something like that. It was really – so I, I don't want to say definitely yes, it was – NJ Mug. I might be, I don't want to pinpoint this on the wrong person. Or, <laughs> well, or, or, are, are they still around? They are. The group I'm thinking of is still around, but they're kind of struggling. Okay. So many still, of know, them are. So, and that's, yeah. yeah, that's the problem. I think there's, I mean, we, we had a, well, no, it wasn't exactly local, but it was the, the, the closest one to me. And that was down to not people trying to take power, but basically the, the people that were running it they were you know getting tired nobody was coming in and helping yeah. and uh, you know they were the only ones that were doing it and also i think they moved a little bit further away which made it a yeah. little bit more awkward so right. now, but there, there, i mean there are a few user groups still or quite a few user groups up and down the country in the uk uh, that are active but it's i i think it's a shame because it's a it's where you want to meet like like-minded people and it's where you can presumably find out how to make your max sync Right. Now, you see, the thing is, is before I make people think that, oh, all the New Jersey Mac user groups or before I get nasty emails because I have friends that are in them. <laughs> it was only the local little local one here that was in central New Jersey. Like I said, about five, 10 minutes down the road for me, there's a, a great Mac user group um, uh, called uh, is up in Princeton, you know, where Princeton University is. Right. Um, that one I haven't been to in a couple of years and I really should be getting myself back up there. There's a few up in, in the northern portion of the state that are just great, but... 
it's funny because they meet once a month and then they of course have their little spin-offs, you know, people that you know, they have their iPhoto group and their, you know, again, kind yeah, of video the, group, exactly. audio group, you know, wh and, and whatever their great. particular interests are. Exactly. Which which is awesome and I really need to kind of get myself back into that and it's the funniest thing. It's like, okay, yeah, it's once a month, but then I don't know, it always seems like something comes up or it seems like it's uh, you know, yeah, I'm planning on going and then I wind up getting stuck late at work yeah. that night when yeah. I was getting out. Yeah. So, but yeah. But overall, and the reason why I brought up the the, the group, um, you know, the, the the other folks in, in the Mac Roundtable is a lot of them are very much involved in their local. And I'm very kind of surprised to hear that they still have active user groups because I've also heard from other people where they love their Mac user group. But again, you guys hit on it is the interest is kind of maybe because it's not being pushed as much anymore. Um, well, I think there's first... more to it than that. I, I, you know, the 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 biggest the, the biggest killer of most of the not necessarily just Mac user groups, but but computer user groups mm -hmm. in general has been the explosion of the internet, sure. and that you know access speeds to the internet have just shot up through the roof. I mean, the main reason why so many people went to user groups was to get information that you know they they didn't want to sit down in you know and open up a book and and spend two weeks, you know, slugging through this book, trying to find the nuggets of information they need to use whatever program it was that, that they're interested in. You go to a Mac user group and at the time, and, you know, and, you know, going back to the early 2000s, late 1990s, there was always someone somewhere that had an answer to either a question on workflow or, you know, how to do this particular little thing that you were interested <laughs> in. And you, you, that, you, go know, ahead. you know what I'm going to say, Guy? Uh, you know what's taken over that? Podcasts? <laughs> no, Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. It is, it, in a lot of ways, that's true. And you're probably talking to many more people on Twitter than you ever, ever would sitting, depending on the size, of course, yeah. of your, your Mac user group, sitting there you know asking that question but it's funny because i really kind of i a lot of a big part of me kind of misses the interaction yeah. of the way yeah. the group that well, was, i was it was involved. the one it was the one-on-one -on -one that you could or, sometimes get or or even you know like i i, I still do belong to the uh it's, it's a washington dc group called the washington apple pie if you've ever heard of them i have i have and I guess it was it was two or three years ago they invited me to their their general meeting and I did about an hour long talk on podcasting. I you know I guess I was the only local person that they knew that was actually involved in it at the time. And I got there and I love the group. I still belong to the group. And I stood there at it was at a uh, it was at a local school. Mm -hmm. And I, I look out over the audience, and I don't think there was a single person there that was under the age of forty. I knew you was going to go along that. Yeah. I, and that's funny because that's exactly the demographic that I saw the group change. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, absolutely no, nothing wrong. No. Now you said no one under forty. I yeah. would even take it up a Dude. little even oh, yeah. older, like maybe even fifty or sixty. With oh, see, a... now you're in my demographic. Careful, Steve. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> with, you know, with a with a, a a smattering of people maybe in their forties and younger. When I first joined this group, it was really cool. There were people that worked in the industry as graphic designers and writers and um I mean just such varying backgrounds. It just made it very interesting to see 
Right, people with experience. Well, experience, but in different ways, using their Macs for different things and trying to figure out how to use their Macs for, for, for different things. And, and it made it for a very interesting group. I had left the group for a while and then came back. And again, nothing wrong with senior citizens. And it's funny because I know I'm going to get emails about that or something because yeah. I think this was almost my well, as, a standing mem- about, as a standing member of the aarp i have yeah. to ask you once again to be very careful <laughs> you know so it's it, it's one of those things that it, it kind of it i you know you try to find a diplomat because it's not a bad thing but you try to find a diplomatic way to say it and it's probably came up even when i've spoken about this before yeah is that there's they're there for a different as a group they're there for a different reason than maybe somebody who works in the field or um, creates on their Mac. They're there for a different reason than what other people are there for. But but let's let's take this back to the almost the very beginning. In my mind, I find it odd. I, I know about user groups and I know about Mac user groups up and down the UK. What I find odd is that I don't know very much and haven't heard, and I was a I was a PC user for a lot longer than I've been a Mac user. I didn't know of any PC user groups. So I wonder whether people who get Macs, um, who have Macs, want to push them and want to take them that step further because they know that they can and they enjoy using them. Well, it's whereas, it's kind of the, whereas, the the unified experience that you have on the Macintosh platform as compared to the splintering of of the PC market. Now, of course, you know all of those other computers are are generally going to be running Windows, right. but when you've got machines from Dell and Acer and HP and you know six six and a half dozen other ones, you know Joe's Crab Shop and and Computer Repair Service, then you know, it's like okay. Well, I've got this machine and it has this hardware. Well, I have this machine and this hardware, and I need yeah, to I have suppose, this DLL I, I, file. And it just gets it gets yeah. Crazy. I, I suppose you could yeah. I suppose you could go down that avenue of saying you know the, the types of machines they've got. But it's one other thing that actually would you be prepared to take your big you know beige box along to one of those groups? But people seem to be prepared to take their iMacs along to the groups. That's true, and and. It's- <laughs> It's interesting, but there are there are PC groups. I mean, they or Windows based. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you know. I'm sure. I mean, there are. You have to remember too. One of the reasons why the Mac user groups became such a big deal and trying to find one locally wasn't so much what's going on with Apple recently, but it was what went on with Apple ten years in ago. the '80s and then yeah. right yeah. more so in the yeah. '90s. You know, Don't before get me Steve Jobs came era. back. <laughs> yeah, well, I well, I know, but I mean that that it was almost like clinging to a life raft yeah i mean if you so. could put it that way that and and apple was very big or if not apple as a company but there were definitely people at apple at the time again 10 15 years ago that realized if they wanted to stay in touch with their user base they needed to sit there and start promoting user groups and i don't think they ever did to a great extent but they well, did they had guy kawasaki who was right. kind of the unofficial you know user group cheerleader yeah, right, right. Yeah. And that's, Apple, uh, go on, well, I was going to say, and Apple did make a point, and I mean, even to this day, there's, uh, you know, make a point of sending, if they have, re- they have regional engineers that usually work with the schools that have Apples and their, sure. their regional salespeople. They do make a point of 
allowing those Apple engineers to go speak at user groups, and usually it's a, a big deal when, when they do. So Apple still has that, but it, it, again, it's not as strong. Apple doesn't need that because Apple's identity now here in the States and now more and more all over the world are the Apple stores. If you want to feel yeah. that sense of community, and even though it's a retail store, that's where people are going. Yeah, we, we was... We, we, we were talking about Apple and uh, how successful they are with their stores actually on IMP the other day. Um, and they were, you know, they've just recently got an award um, because it's such a pleasure going to the stores. Now, w when we had a, a Liverpool tweet up back, uh, back in December last year, <laughs> one of the key po meeting points was, of course, the Apple store. And I've got to say, we spent a long time in there. And there was, I don't know, there wasn't, a great many of us, but there was probably a dozen or so, and we were, you know, milling around in this Apple store, and they didn't have a problem at all. They right. didn't have a problem at all with it. I mean, we did actually. Some of the guys did buy some stuff there, um, but they, you know, they weren't. Yeah, but they weren't too bothered, guy. They were quite happy for us to be there. So, yeah. However, I, I could imagine that if you kept doing it, <laughs> kept turning up and using their bandwidth all the time, or that I'm sure you you wouldn't hit their bandwidth at all. Um, but you can't meet there now. If if Apple decided to that they really wanted those stores to become, you know, a focal point, perhaps occasionally if they've got any meeting rooms or anything, they or in the evening they could perhaps allow some of the user groups to uh, to meet there because well, that, no, they, that, they won't do that. But they don't. No, want I know they won't. Groups there. I know they, they want people. Right, but the thing uh, is, yeah. is, they do their own training. That's the whole thing. If even if they don't, I mean, there's a, a there's three Apple stores all within a 35 to 40 minute drive from where I'm at in, in central New Jersey. And some of them have like, you know, like the classroom back corner type thing. Right. Um, most of them, the two other ones I'm thinking of are smaller stores, but they do training. They have the, you know, two of their high tables that have stools around yeah, the one-on-one -on -one stuff. Yep. Right. And yep. they will either do one-on-one -on -one or small group, small group. I mean, I, I just saw them doing, you know, like an iPhoto one and, and kind of walked in, you know, walked by the store and, and saw that. So it's, it's, you know, free training that you can sign up for, which, which is great. But I, I understand what you're saying with, wow, it would be cool if they would, if they did have that kind of space, it would be cool if they turned it over or allowed a, a user group to go. But that's in some ways, I almost wonder if Apple wouldn't see that as kind of competing with their own, you know, like yeah, they're, they're bigger than that now, aren't they? It's it's yeah. more, much more commercial organization. They don't they don't need the support of those user groups, right? Yeah. Because and it's a shame. Well, yeah, you know what, is, guys, we got to take a little break here. Uh, when we come okay. back, we're gonna we're gonna talk some more to Steve. We're gonna find out, you know, kind of his history, and we're gonna talk about his podcast, and you know, basically uh let him let him tell us about steve so anyway everybody please stand right uh, stand by and, and we'll be back in just a minute from the MyMac.com podcast, and we've got some exciting news to tell you. Yeah, boy, howdy. It's all about a new contest we'll be running soon in celebration of our upcoming 300th MyMac.com podcast. 300 shows? Crikey. I'm not sure I was born when you started, you know. That sounds like about 67.8 in dog years. I... 
I don't even know what that means, and I'm still wound up. So are we doing something special for that show, then? Oh, yeah. And the best part is the real winners are the listeners of the show. What? You mean they get something other than hearing us two? Yep. Prizes, Gaz. Fantastic prizes. Prizes? What do you mean, prizes? Well, we don't want to give away too much information yet, but here's a list of some of our sponsors. Wow, look at this. Smile on my Mac, Westone, McCallie, Noodlesoft. Yes. Boinks, ProSoft Engineer. Yes. Oh, crikey, sorry, guy. You said we're not supposed to talk about it yet, didn't you? No, keep it on the downside, dude. Right, right, yeah, sorry about that. Well, not to worry. There's more to come later. Oh, I'm getting all excited. Yeah, more fun than a shit... Guy, careful, mate. I was just going to say shiitake sandwich. The MyMac.com podcast. More entertaining than fungus surrounded by bread. We're the cure for the regular old boring podcasts. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Well, Guy, am I looking forward to next week, show number 295, when we can tell the listeners a little bit more about show 300 and all the great prizes that we've got coming up. Anyway, back to tonight's show. And Steve, we've been talking to you. You're still with us. Steve Stanger of the Mac Attack podcast. Uh, He's going to tell us a little bit more about himself, how he started, uh, how long he's been using Max, the podcast, and anything else he'd like to tell us. Cool. Steve, Steve, over to you. Good. You didn't kick me out. I, I guess I did good on that first uh, segment that I was <laughs> well, on. I, I tried to tell him to, but he just wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> oh, that's what the cut sign was for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, yeah, but right across the throat. Cut, cut. Uh, and I thought that was me. Don't start him up again. Um, <laughs> But, but anyway, uh, my name is Steve Stanger. I, like you guys uh, have said, I host the Mac Attack podcast. You can find it over at themacattack.tv. Um, it's a show I've been doing since August of 2005, uh, not weekly. We kind of talked about this a little bit in the, the pre-show. Right. Um, it started off as a weekly show. Back then, I was doing computer consulting. It was my own company. If I stayed up till 4 o'clock in the morning to do yeah. a show, it was fine. Yeah, I it was, it was all on you. It. Exactly. Um, As the show progressed, because the thing that is um, a little bit different about the Mac attack, and there are other podcasts out there that do it, it, it's more technical. And um, when the show first started, there was a little segment of the news, but it was more along the lines of, well, what does that news mean to an end user? Okay, Apple came out with another version of OS X or came out with, um, you know, a speed bump on their, you know, MacBooks. Well, what does that mean in regards to what you have currently? You know, is that really a big deal? So it wasn't just kind of reporting the news. It was kind of going into a little bit more detail. Uh, And then there were usually a couple of tech topic segments where I kind of made a point of doing um, something kind of techy, like we were talking about backups before, um, you know, that could that kind of covers all different users, uh, Mac users of different experiences. But some Of those tech topics, if I had a little bit more of a complicated tech topic, like, say, you know, exploring the terminal and what why would you ever want to go into the terminal? You know, I made it in such a way that maybe that was for intermediate to advanced users where another tech topic as far as maybe something touching on email or or just kind of a bunch of different tips for the week um, would be for maybe for more of a beginner 
type user or somebody new to the Mac. Well, um, on, so on your state. show in particular, did you did you mix the topics up or did you kind of stick at either a beginner or an advanced level? No, I did mix it up, and that was the thing. Over those first year and a half, two years, when the show was done weekly, it definitely had a format. It had the news. It had a, a more of a beginner-type topic and then somewhat of a more advanced-type tech topic. Not strict. I mean, there were some episodes that it was completely about software. You know, kind of must-have software, right. which I've revisited a number of different times on the show just because it's been around for five years, and really so much has changed with the Macs and OS X and, and just the the great software that's out there. Well, l let me ask you something really yeah. quick. Talking about talking about OS X, now, you know, we just hit the, uh, what, I think the 11th birthday of the announcement mm -hmm. of, of OS X. I think it was at... Uh, was it Macworld 98 or Macworld 99? I think you're going to get a slap, actually, Guy. I am? Call, for calling it OS X, yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I hear that. All. <laughs> OS 10. OS 10. Sorry. Well, I haven't um, referred, to, referred to OS X in a long time. <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep forgetting about that. But people, for some reason, people seem to really get upset about that. I'm not sure why. Um, at, at what point did it become usable for you 10 to 10.2 don't yeah. ask me what name it was because i mix up the jaguars and yeah no it, it was jaguar because uh i had gone to some of the last new york shows there at the javits mm -hmm. center and uh i think one of the very last ones was right as 10.2 was coming out now i i had been a, a you know diehard uh classic os user for right you know since 1987 when i started and I just couldn't see where OS X, sorry, OS ten <laughs> was doing anything for me other than other than just adding a layer of complexity that I didn't need. But when I went to the Javits Center for, for Macworld, and I think they used to have them in August, um mm -hmm. when I saw ten ten dot two Jaguar, that was the first time I think that I kind of looked at it and said, you know what? This is, and plus there was a lot more software out by then too. Right, right. Um, this is now usable for me, and that's where I made the jump. Well, actually, I was using it. I was one of these people that went in. I mean, you have to remember for those first couple of years, anybody who went into OS X and installed it, we were beta testers. We were paying to be beta testers for right. Apple. And I mean, I know that's not something new. I mean, it's been spoke, you know, people have talked about it for years, but I had early version, you know, beta of OS X. But I'll never forget this. It was on my cube. It ran great on the cube, but like you meant, there was no software. And right. it it was crashy. I mean, you would see kernel panics like nonstop. Yeah, the gray screen of death. Yeah, yeah. And it, you would see it pop up, and it's not as pretty as it is now. You would basically just get a bunch of Unix gobbledygook on your screen, and it was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I got it. You see, you guys talking to each other like you know, like that. It makes me feel such a baby. It really Why? does. Because, <laughs> well, you see, I walk with the tiger, but I I only really slept with the leopard. Let's, well, let's you, know what, you, you want to know what's weird, Gaz and and Steve will probably agree with this. Maybe not. Um, if you look at the overall Mac market today. There are probably more people who are switchers from mm -hmm. Windows than there are people that remember the classic OS. No, I think you're right. I, I mean, there's people I know that are in our 
you know, within our peers, as far as other podcasters that you would think, okay, maybe we're, because, because I'm with you guy, I, I got into, I mean, I went through a school district that had apples and my first Mac was 87. What was I it? graduated in 86. Oh, it was the Mac. Well, plus, what we would consider, Mac plus? well, no, it was, uh, what would we what we would call a Mac Classic? I, the thing is, I remember it was advertised as the quote unquote Big Mac because it, it instead of having 128k, it came with five. Oh, oh, you're talking about the the 512 and the 512ke. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, that was the first machine that that uh, that my brother had was a 512 that he actually went into and turned and and it was not an easy process and oh. turned it into the ke, which oh, involved okay. some hardware swap. Yep. And you see that that's good because at at some point I guess in my head just because of the amount of probably useless information I have I kind of forget okay what the specific model was and yeah. it's just kind of like yeah it was the Mac class cuz I mean kind of going back I I was um somebody was showing me pictures of their office and they actually have a Mac classic on their bookshelf and I'm like wow I still wish I had that had mine I mean the only old Mac I still have um other than a, a Mac book that's you know that other than my two working macs is my old um is my cube and i could see myself holding on to that oh, forever that, it's just a yeah, good, I've got, gorgeous I've looking got, computer i've got yeah. to say that that was one machine that i nearly if if only i jumped when that machine came out because i being a pc user when i saw that cube i thought i want one of those but well, you I, know what well, it would have driven you back to the pc yeah <laughs> it would have. there were there were there were out, a lot of problems yeah. with the cube when it first came out it was very expensive i got the second there was like a revision a and a revision b um i mean it's a whopping 500 megahertz it's limited to the as the size of the drive storage wise it's limited limited to the size of the drive memory wise i think i was able to i think you could get get that up to 1.5 yeah gigs, yeah because i think cool. the fastest one was a 667 g4 yeah something like that yeah, i think so so i mean it was it was, it was not a, a quick machine not and a quick it, and machine. it didn't age well right but and it also is, had a lot of problems with overheating too because I, I actually had to replace my video card because of heating issues luckily it was still under apple care but they had it then. What they had then was desirability. Sure. Oh, you want to talk about a, a, a computer that had desirability, the 20th anniversary <laughs> Mac. Yeah, but that nah. was the one that was, what, $20,000, but Apple sent somebody to set it up for you kind of thing? Yeah, right? well, it was, it was $10,000, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't even, it, you know, you, you figure that, that this is the 20th anniversary Mac, that this computer should be the latest and the greatest, but but it was essentially... It was a, like a 603e power PC yeah. uh, microprocessor, and Apple already had. I, I don't remember what they were called. Were they Power Max? The Power Mac G, uh, not G4s, uh, the the 604s. Well, yeah, they that's it. They really didn't have names. They were just like you know the the Power PC 603, yeah. 604. It was it. That's well, the they had names. That, you know, I mean, you had you had the three basic lines at the time which was uh, the performers right right typically right. got at like you know sears or, or mm -hmm. third-party retailers and then you had the middle of the road machine which were the centrises right and then the the top of the line were was the um uh the quadras mm -hmm. and part of part of the problem that apple had at the time was that there was no real rhyme or reason to how these machines were released and a lot of times, the only major difference between one and another would be the software bundle. So you had third-party retailers who were, you know, were 
basically told by Apple that they had to sell X number of machines or they were going to lose their license. And, you know, they couldn't get these machines out the door because everybody was afraid to buy. They didn't know when the next one was going to come out. Yep. Oh, yeah. It, it was it – was, uh, and, and when I said they didn't have names, I meant the chips didn't have names like the way oh, we give right. chips. They, I mean, no, the computers – trust me, I, I went through the, the late 80s into the 90s usually going from a Performa to getting a used Quadra to getting – I mean, just kind of – Yeah. Just experiencing all the different, you know, old beige Macs, and it was just, uh, yeah, it, it was. Well, heck, I used I used a so, plus for well, seven years. Let, wow. Let's let's yeah. let's move you on then, Steve. Let's. What are you using now? How many Macs have you got in your house? Uh, just just now? two. What, just, just just. Well, two. actually, I shouldn't say just two. I should say three because there is one that permanently lives um, connected to the TV, but um, it's a, a three-year-old white um, Mac uh, PowerBook. Um, uh, or uh, which MacBook I Pro or why did I say MacBook? Why did I say PowerBook? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, we were talking the about the 80s and the 90s, and it's like, okay, I'm sorry, people are going, What did he just say? I'm sorry, I meant, and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to, and I'm MacBook. trying to move you up to date, and well, you just luck. keep you keep regressing, I keep pulling you back. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's actually a white MacBook, there you go. Um, hey. which is starting to show its age a little bit, but I really, I'm not the job I have now, I'm not traveling, and I don't need that kind of yeah. power but it's nice if i go away for a weekend to just grab it and it does everything i need right um and my desktop system is an imac a 2009 imac uh 266 gigahertz but it's the earlier year release it's not the one that they came out later in the year when they bumped up to 21 inches and 27 inches it's just yeah. a 20 yeah. inch. but when i had gotten it i purposely went for the smaller screen oh, the I, running, I went with the 20 inch i absolutely love running dual monitors yeah and, i'm doing that now myself and yeah so that's the reason why just with my setup um the 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 at that time the the, the 24 inch would have been overkill so the 20 inch works i've got actually the the um cinema display that i've had since and i can't believe it's got to be eight or nine years old by now but it's the cinema display that i used with the cube which wow. was another thing you had that gorgeous looking cube and you had this great looking monitor you know this well now kind of Wait a second! Didn't didn't the didn't that have like that all in one connector DVI connector it that did. power so and Apple everything else? Out, you're absolutely right. And Apple came out with this wonderful looking. Well, there were a couple of companies that did. Um, I don't think you could get them anymore. But Apple for a hundred bucks had this um, adapter that j looks like a giant white power adapter, like that you would get with your computer or your iPods or iPads or whatever. Right. But, but it's huge, and it actually you'd plug the monitor into that. It actually plugs into a power source, and then out of that box, you have um, a USB cable, and then it goes to, I forget what the video is, whatever the, at that time when that box came out, whatever the current, um, I don't, it's not HDMI, it, it actually is an ADC connector to yeah. a whatever was on, and then basically off the back of my iMac is a, uh, an adapter, to go to that connector. To go to that larger connector. Yeah, so it, but you're absolutely right. You, because that monitor itself didn't have its own power supply, you kind of had to jump through hoops. <laughs> so you, you, no. basically, you basically took a monitor whose main purpose was to not have a bunch of cables and added and a bunch of cables. cables. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. But it, it, it's still, it, it, the monitor still holds up. I mean, I, I cal you know, get the stuff. I, I mean, not that anything I do... Um, needs to be a lot of printed. color ca calibration, right? But I, well, so that yeah, one, it, I might have to do a little bit more. 
Yeah, that actually leads me on uh, to asking if you do anything other, because I, I personally know that I've seen quite a few of your photographs, and right. uh, I was gonna, I was wondering if you was going down that avenue of saying what else that you do, sure. which you well, obviously besides podcasting. Work, works right. on your, besides podcasting, which right. works uh, you use your Mac for a lot. Right. Well, actually. Th- before jumping into that, just one more thing about the show. If somebody's looking for it going, wait a second, how has he been doing for five years and there's only 109 episodes? Well, at one point, doing this kind of techie show by myself, yeah, uh, you kind of, and I don't know, I mean, anybody that Pod does fade. podcasting will tell you, you do. You either go into pod fade where the show just disappears or you change your schedule, your release. So my releases went from once a week to twice a month. I took a little bit of a break there. Um, around the beginning of, I guess it was towards the end of 2008, the beginning of 2009. Um, and I was still going to podcast, but it was funny. All the other ideas I was coming up with all came back to computers and technology. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to do that, bring back the Mac attack, do it a little bit differently. Um, because the one thing I discovered is I kind of put myself into a rut with that show by sticking to kind of a strict format in my mind. I mean, I wasn't doing it for anybody other than myself and the people that decided to listen every week or every other week. So the idea was to kind of come back and pick out a specific topic. And uh, the reason why I bring that up now, you know, for example, since the show's been back, it's not only necessarily tech topics like backups and software and computer maintenance and, and troubleshooting, which I think we all need to know, but it was also kind of going down the lines of kind of how to take your hobby or whatever your interest is and use your Mac. So one of the first ones I did in the series of kind of blank in your Mac, which was photography in your Mac, I asked um, Victor Cayo to come on from Typical Mac User Podcast right. and Typical Shutterbug Podcast, and we did two episodes talking about photography because we're both into it. We kind of both uh, are get kind of at that time uh, we had gone back into it maybe for about a year or two, um, kind of separately. I mean, he lives on you know the West Coast, so just kind of talking. And with him, I figured he would be a good co-host for the for those two episodes. But to me, that's where kind of the show's going, that there's going to be definite shows that focus on a specific tech topic or a specific topic on... What now, people am I ever use gonna, their computers Exactly. For. Now, like, if I could find somebody that would that's into sewing and use their Mac, now, it might not be a full 40-minute show, but it might be an interesting... <laughs> because that's not something I'm into, and that's make, not making fun of somebody who sews. One but, girl, too. Well, fun, funnily enough, we had a listener um, who actually asked us a, a question um, for from their listeners about any software for astronomy. And uh, so that there are lots of people out there trying was, to use uh, the Mac. Steve Hammond. No, uh, no. I don't think no, no. It wasn't Steve. It was um. um oh God. Yeah, well, it'll come back to us. We'll, we'll yeah. We'll long after, in. long after we finish recording, they'll be like, oh yeah, that was it. <laughs> yes. But but you see, that's the point I'm making is that you know you might go, wow, maybe not a lot of people have an interest in this. And again, a photography photography is a wide thing, but like you know, you had mentioned yeah. astronomy, and I had mentioned sewing. Again, kind of jokingly. But even if I could find somebody that knows about that and they want to come on and maybe talk for 10 or 15 minutes and maybe... Oh, Neil would, Wharton. Together. <laughs> Neil Wharton. That stopped you in your tracks, didn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, uh, what? What? Oh, that's a Neil, Neil Wharton. Sorry. <laughs> but, see, but, Sorry but no, but, Sorry. Think about, but think about how cool that is that, you know, okay, not only do we have computers and people think of Macs and they think of... You know, of course, outside of the ease of use and, you know, no viruses and stuff, people mostly think it's graphics and photography, but yeah, yeah. there is there is so much you can do with it. And 
that I goes think people beyond have, just that. Exactly. And, and that, you know, and, and music. I mean, what you can do right now, what blows me away is we were even met, kind of talking about GarageBand there for a little bit, you know, again, in, in the, the pregame or the pre-show. <laughs> but it, it was, it's just a, it's an app that I wish I had about 10 years ago. You wouldn't have you know, been able to use it. Kind, well, it, it wouldn't have been it, usable. Right, on those kind of systems back yeah. then. I know. Because back then I was into MIDI stuff, and you would be pulling your hair out, banging your head against the wall, or ready to throw your computer out the window with the stuff that was available on the Mac to do MIDI stuff. You know, so uh, it was... Yeah, it, and I think we all use GarageBand in our processes. I certainly use it. I know yeah. Guy uses it, and, oh, yeah, and you too. use it as well, Steve. Yeah, I yep. mean, it's... And, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's just great, and I, I just think, you know, Apple was very smart there that at least they built in kind of in, in the background that people would, it would be very easy for people, outside, you know, outside producers to create loops that would not only work with, say, GarageBand, but also work with Apple's other um, more professional... Right, Logic uh, or product, Soundtrack. Exactly. Because again, it's it it, it kind of takes GarageBand, and it is in a lot of ways it, it's a toy, but in some other ways it, it makes it a little bit more of a, a serious digital audio workstation, you know. So it, it's it's kind of cool. And I haven't, I mean, when I started doing my podcast, I had access to all the pro audio apps that I would ever want to use, and I'm like, that seems a little overkill for something I'm compressing yeah. down to an MP3. Yeah, and and and. That also goes for one of the other things that I, I, I was thinking about, perhaps talking a little bit about tonight. And I was just going to ask you the question whether when you started taking or getting back into photography, moving aside from music, right, right. did you use, obviously, the application that comes with every pretty much every new Mac, and that's iPhoto? Or did I, you start and start off with something else? No, no, no. I, that's actually a great question. I used iPhoto... Um, for, since it came out, uh, wasn't a huge fan of the first version of it. It seemed, it just seemed like it always ran slow and it kind of plotted along, and the editing yeah. wasn't that good, uh, or the editing features. That's totally well, changed. The, the, the latest, the best part, the best part of the editing at the time was that you could choose another editor. Well, yeah, and you still can. Yeah, and you still it, can, which is yeah. great. But it is, it actually is good. And I was using iPhoto more so uh, to organize my photos. Yeah. Uh, than digging through folders and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not even so much getting into it's probably I, I wouldn't even say getting back into photography. It's probably getting more serious about photography because I've had digital little point and shoot cameras since probably 2001, 2002, you know, the little 1.3 and, and two oh, megapixel, yeah. you know, those horrible little HP looking ones. But you know what? It's what I could afford at the time and was it going to plunk down seven, eight, Nine thousand right. dollars back well, then. It's like it's like with it's like with computers. You know, I mean, the the, the technology moves so fast that what you right. buy now is out of date six months from now. Exactly. But what's the what's the famous statement with photography? The best camera you've got is the one that you've got with you. Yeah, exactly, it's the one, it's the one you that you have with you. So, you know, so even back then, you know, it, it, it's even even today, even with the great. I mean, Aperture is great. The one that app, you know, the newest version Apple released. You've got Lightroom from Adobe, which I love and I have. But it, it's kind of funny. And and people listening that are into photography are either going to know what I'm talking about or they're gonna, not going to have any idea what I'm talking about. Back when, of course, when you shot film, you would get negatives and. 
my method of organizing those negatives were on the top of the envelope, write the date and the mm -hmm. event yeah. or whatever, and <laughs> yeah. they would be filed. And it's funny. And then they would be filed away into shoe boxes. Well, <laughs> I even tried the thing with notebooks and it just still, it wasn't the same, believe it or not on my Mac. That's almost along the way. I still do my organizing of my photos. The shoebox it's, approach. It's a shoebox. There is, you know, there's there's folder, the higher level folders or the upper level folders are by year. Then it breaks down into, you know, month and then the, you know, and then events and stuff. I mean, so I have it organized that way. And I, so in iPhoto, I wasn't letting iPhoto manually, um, I should say I was adding my stuff manually to iPhoto. It wasn't automatically. Right. So, so, so you were organizing the folders and then you were, you were putting them into or you were importing them into iPhoto. Myself. But, letting, exactly. but yeah, so you were letting, you were telling uh, iPhoto which, uh, uh, which folders to go and look for because that is one thing which some people complain about iPhoto, the way it actually deals with, uh, deals with photographs. But for the everyday user, for exactly. you know, if somebody just coming to the machine, it's, 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 it's perfect. And you can get into those subfolders. You've just got to know where to dig for them haven't you exactly that's, that's... and and that's one thing that's different about the newer version yeah it still does it looks like it puts everything into this giant yeah. file but it really isn't of course is what you were saying but you're right for somebody who goes out and take pictures just wants to plug it in to their computer and then just go it, it's a it really is a a great app it, it's just it, it's you don't have to think about it i think the um the editing is fine Yes, well, yeah, and, I, I, and it is, and it is basic. Yeah. It is, it, it is basic. But it's but go, it's it, going to meet it, the needs of of probably at least seventy five percent of the people that use but, it. On but I'll tell you, basis. I'll tell you what, guy. If you take if you take raw photographs, you, you know it's basic, but you can do an awful lot of a lot of adjustments with basic. Okay, well before before we get too much into that, we need to take a break. And yeah. when we come back, we're going to talk to Steve and and Gaz and myself a little bit more about iPhoto, and uh, then we're going to wrap it up for the night. So everyone, please stand by to stand by, and we'll talk to you again in just a minute. It's a wonderful night, gotta take it from me. It's a wonderful night, come on and break it on down. It's a wonderful night, gotta take it from me. Hey, it's Guys. And Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and we're here to tell you that if you like listening to us, you'll enjoy some of the other podcasts from MyMac.com that are available from iTunes. There's the My Photo Tech podcast with Sandro Cuccia to tell you all about digital photography. He also talks about the latest news, hardware, and software, along with tips and tricks to make you a better photographer. There's also your own Victory Garden podcast with Greg Holdsworth for all of you people with a green thumb. And Sam's cool picks to tell you about some of the latest gear for the Mac, iPhone, and all the other Apple devices we know and love with your host, Sam Levin. Also, the geekiest show ever, which can be about, well, anything with Tim Robertson, Chad Perry, and sometimes even me. The MyMac.com podcast, My Phototech, your own victory garden, Sam's cool picks, and the geekiest show ever podcast can all be found so very easily in iTunes. It's all free for downloading, so go get it. The MyMac.com podcast and associated content is copyright and part of Major League Baseball Die. and is subject to laws governing such Die. content. All rights reserved 2000. Guy. What? We are part of Major League Baseball. Are you sure? Yes. But we, we used to be? <sighs> go to iTunes and grab those podcasts, folks. You'll really enjoy them. 
We're back, and just in the nick of time, the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Okay, welcome back to the MyMac.com podcast. We're still here with Gaz, and we're still here with Steve from uh, the Mac Attack podcast. And just before we left out, we, we were kind of starting to talk about iPhoto. And one of the other things we wanted to get into is is kind of a workflow and how people use it to edit. Uh, now, I, I know you were saying you don't really use it as much as you did when it first came out for editing. Uh, but of the editing tools that it does have, are, are there any in particular that you like, Steve? Well, what I do like, and, and this is probably more so in, in the last version, or, the, or I should say the current version of iPhoto, is that um, it does accept raw photos. And if somebody shoots in the camera format raw, you can actually go in and edit these raw images um, but you got you got to kind of be careful with that too though too because doesn't iPhoto keep like an entire version of of every single one when you make any you know saved edits too don't they True. keep like so, the full so version exactly. of each one of those So if you're shooting with like a 12 megapixel camera yeah you're going to have some fairly large uh files if you're just dealing with raw files at, at at that point so that is definitely a good point but again I kind of like can, the fact can it, so so I thought actually that it did like other programs and just adjusted and just the aside. metadata. Yeah, just adjusted the you know it looked at the metadata that you got there rather than creating a copy. Right. I was. Pre- I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, you guys carry on looking. And you might we'll be. Do... Yeah. I mean, you you might be. Well, right yeah, you it... might be. But I I had I had thought for a long time that when you made a change to a photo, that not only did it keep the original in its like I guess pristine form yeah i think it does term. i think it does that on well, yeah, jpegs right. if, if you're doing I think that, it with, does that right. on jpegs it also right you're absolutely right if you import jpegs that i can tell you for a fact it definitely does it'll keep the original and then there is a if you kind of dig down into the file structure of where iphoto keeps the photos you'll see your originals in there by date then there is another folder in there of anything that's been modified now normally we don't look at that stuff and it looks like a little bit of a mess because basically we're react or we're dealing with our photos through iPhoto itself. And that's what Apple wants you to do. It's not until us kind of techie geeky types start messing around and screw things up that we see all this but other stuff that we see all this other stuff. Again, I'm not hundred percent about raw. I don't know if it saves. I don't know if you make changes and it saves a complete um, file of that, a complete version, or if it does create that little sidecar file, like you would see if you're dealing with, um, Adobe Camera Raw, right? Where you have your original, and then it does create that little metadata, like I said, sidecar file that yeah. you have to make sure it moves with your file if you are transferring it between <laughs> computers, or because, it's all gone, or it's done, or you, then you're you're digging around in Adobe Camera Raw again and fixing it. But one thing I would say, and again, having having used iPhoto again, not as much as I used to, um, even for the organization side of things. It's cool seeing how it's it's grown, um, and and even just like you'd ask if there was something specific with the editing, there really isn't something specific. It's just the overall ease the tools of have doing better. it. And, and I, I, know- I would I would say that if anybody's relatively new and they've clicked on that editing button and they've seen all the scales that they've got available to them, that, and it's scared them off. One thing that you could try is now i forget the terminology they've used but at the bottom you've got uh, like a magic fix yeah enhance uh, an, auto, an, an enhance button mm-hmm. if you want to try something and you want to see exactly what um 
the editing tool is doing is have a look at that editing tool and then click on the enhance button and then have a look at that editing tool again and see what the sliders are where they've been moved and then if you want to have a little bit more of a play obviously you can go in and make some more adjustments because that way you'll you know it, it's just a little it's a way for absolute new people who have not really messed about with uh, the editing and the enhance tool to just see what the system is doing to the photo to try and make yeah, it better it, yeah what it thinks is the is best for your yeah. particular picture Right, yeah. and and also what people need to remember too with iPhoto, again, if you use it the way it is, out of the box, you don't go in and make changes to, you know, you're allowing iPhoto to completely manage your photos, which is perfectly fine. You can always step back. Like, say you go through and you edit and you're like, wow, I really don't like what this looks like. You can always revert back to the original yeah. photo. Again, it's non-destructive yeah. editing. editing. It's yep. always making a copy. So that's one thing when I've actually taught people iPhoto or sat with people when they're like, okay, well, show me how to use this. That I try to make sure they understand that, you know what, if you don't like the way that looks, you could always, you know, you right-click on it or control-click on it, and you can see that it will allow you to revert back to the previous version or that's, the original version. Right. And that's 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 definitely something that's, that's great about this because a lot of times what will happen if people use Photoshop elements or even Photoshop yeah, or... They get lost. They not only get lost, but they also start saving their changes over the original JPEG. Uh, and, and there's a number of great other great editors out there, you know, shareware editors for the Mac. Yeah, Pixelmator, a few others. Exactly. And, but what happens is you they, they don't give you any kind of warning. Um, you know, Photoshop and Photoshop Elements does try to tell you, hey, we'll save this as a copy. So you don't overwrite the original, but sometimes people miss that. But I'm, I yeah. like the way iPhoto protects you. From the beginning, <laughs> from it, yourself. It, it, from, it, from I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That that's so, true. So it sounds like obviously uh, you've moved on in your photography, and and obviously you're possible, possibly you're not using uh, iPhoto as much. How long has that been, Steve? So uh, because my question is moving on, have you used the faces um, facility in the, I do. the newer I, version? I, I have. I thought that was kind of a neat, a neat idea um it it wasn't as automatic as i thought it was going to be i still no. use iphone it has know, gotten better i mean I, it I, has, have yes. you have you gotten the the latest update to iphone yes i did yep but also one thing about faces it was kind of cool to see it if you want to say learn yeah um, because it was the funniest thing that when it started going it would sit there and go you know okay it would come back with pictures of like family members and i'd be like oh okay okay great that's my aunt that's my aunt that's my aunt that's a brick wall. That's my yep. aunt. That's my. And I'm like, where did that that's, come that, from? Yeah, that's a tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was, so it would find a pattern. But yeah, whatever algorithm they use, and then as you kind of go through and clean up its mistakes and say, yes, this is that person. No, that's a tree. Yes, is the. The, the, yeah. the funny thing is, when it first started, I used to get a lot of trees and bushes that were mm -hmm. coming up as faces. That seems to have died down a bit now. But now what I'm getting is will hubs very often cropping up. Really. Yeah, it's 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 well, that, that's more of a question of genetics, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's who it's recognizing them for that worries me. <laughs> but so, but no, I do I do use that, and I still use um, and I have actually a bunch of photos to get into iPhoto. Yeah. I kind of use it as a quick way to catalog uh, yeah. my photos, or if somebody's over and they want to see them, it's easier for me to go to a specific event. And go, you know, somebody, you know, oh, what were the pictures from Disney World? Or like World a smart gallery. 
Exactly. And that for me, that's what iPhoto has kind of become. Um, again, not for any other reason, not that it's a bad app. It's just that I use Photoshop. And like I had mentioned in the previous segment, how I kind of, I feel much more comfortable creating my own directory structure yeah. with the photos and, I create. I've, I've, I've heard a few people do that, Steve, and I, I, I understand why, because it means that you can pretty much take that, that formula of that, that set of photographs anywhere with you into any application. Exactly. And, and I know that these other applications aren't going to mess with that order, create copies that I don't want. And so it's a lot of stuff like that. And again, it, it's, I just, just to say it again, is that, you know, I do that because that's what works for me. Yeah. I photo, yeah. I tell people, listen, you have a digital camera, plug it right in, let iPhoto open up, import them, and you're fine. Yeah, and, and I mean, one of the things that I do, the first thing, because I still use iPhoto, but I've got, I don't know, I must have about 17,000 photos in there now, and right. that's that's not good. Uh, I'll come on to that in a little while, but one of my workflows is, because I've got quite a lot of photos going in there, um, I, I the first thing I do is import them. I, I get rid of the dross, the ones that I know are actually going to be no use to mm -hmm. me whatsoever. Well, that's but, the nice thing about digital photography. Absolutely. Is that um, you know, you're not picking them up from you know the, the pharmacy and saying, oh, God, you know, I paid for these pictures and I hate them. Yeah, With digital yeah, photography, yeah. who cares? Just take as many absolutely. pictures as you want. Dead right, dead right. Yeah. So, so one of those things I then do is go through and I may I may use the batch file to rename them or to put some comments on them or even if I've imported some photos that I've scanned in I'll obviously change the date on them and I'll then add keywords and you know one thing that actually iPhone is is getting me to do is tie me into it far too much almost and then when you start getting a lot of photos it can start slowing down so i've actually got i think it's it's iphoto manager i think it is um to start looking at possibly splitting the iphoto right. library up a little bit to try and speed it up well are there, is, are there a lot of is, are, are there a lot of pictures that you have that you can just kind of you know catalog away like okay well i'm, I'm pretty yeah. much done with these pictures yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah there are there there are because i know what you what you're going to say there uh, guy it's it's a real pain to flip from one photo library to another photo library well i, I kind of had a similar problem when iweb first came out iweb would only let you work on you know the i think iweb one and iweb two would only let you work on on one site at a time and if you wanted to manage multiple sites you 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 basically had to make copies of the domain file and you know kind of shuffle them around to to which one you wanted to do you couldn't just say okay well i'm done with this one now i want to open up this site no you could only work on one site at a time and it it's almost like iphoto is sort of developing a similar problem when it comes to its libraries that if you have a library that you you don't want to work with right now, and it could be because of size or because of time or whatever, if you could kind of shuffle that one away and just work on your more recent stuff, then you know that would be probably a huge time saver in just loading the program and all the, the various pictures that you may have in there, especially with 17,000 pictures. True enough, true enough. Is there? Do you know of a tool that does something like that for you, or do yeah, you have to do that manually? 
No, well, I actually, one of the tool that I was thinking is called iPhoto Library Manager. And it does um, that? It, it, can, it can basically split your library up um, pretty much how you like. Um, one of the reasons I actually got that was for a totally different reason, but that's, we're, we're going on a complete segue if I go of down course. that route. Um, but yeah, it can look at your albums and it can, it, it can take your smart albums and it can split it into uh, uh, a different library, which you can then obviously manage within iPhoto um, Library Manager uh, quite easily. But that's a that's that's a small downside, I think, of iPhoto. I'm still pretty much using it as it is with the, the, you know that amount of photographs in there. So you know you've got to be taking quite a lot of photographs to to get up to that sort of scale. Well, couldn't, uh, couldn't part of the problem be is that the the more simplified they make the the interface, the more they have to do under the hood to make it simple. Possibly, possibly. There's a trick, actually, which I don't know whether I'm going to ask Steve whether he, he does this, um, which I came across fairly recently, and I've, I've got I've yet to see whether it's making much of an improvement on the speed of iPhoto when I'm opening it, and that is that you go into preferences and you basically you turn the border and the shadow lines off. Hmm. rather than keeping them on. And uh, so I picked up that that can actually in, improve the speed when you're opening the iPhoto uh, library directly in iPhoto. So I'm going to give that a try and see if that works. Because it is just a visual, really, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just it's just to give the you know your little thumbnails there a little bit more dimension and stuff. But yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So it's just the border. It's just turning off the outline just, and the drop yeah, shadow. You, yes, you can turn the drop the drop shadow shadow and the and the border off in preferences. So uh, And that and that would make sense that if yeah. you're you know if you're seeing that slowdown that would make sense because it's in, it's at least taking away that process that it has to deal with. Yeah. Well, well, if you have yeah if you have all seventeen thousand of your pictures coming up on your screen at one time and your Mac has to draw seventeen thousand drop shadows and seventeen thousand sure. borders. Yeah, it's kind of it's going to kind of choke just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, guys? Absolutely. So, do you use location in it as well, Steve, or not? Because I got, uh, I, I've got heavily into using location, and it's uh, I've almost found it uh, a little bit. Well, it's a, become a bit OCD with me, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you know what? Do you now? Do you have a now, does your camera support no. GPS information, no. or are you manually going? Oh, so you're manually going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I sad, isn't it? <laughs> I get it. Well, no, no, but no, Not because I know other people that that do that, and and I understand why they do. Right now, I don't know. For some reason, it's like I'm not in the, I'm not out in the middle of nowhere taking pictures, so I need GPS to get me back. I know if I ever want to go back to the places I've taken pictures of, I can go. Yeah. yeah, but I know. But I also know. I mean, that that's the way I see it. But I also know what's kind of nice too is if you do have that information in there, you know, Apple has that real. You know, as part of iPhoto, you have that. You know, you can look at a map with all these little pins in the map where you can click on that pin and it'll show you all the photos from that area. So right. that kind of gives you. I, I think it's it's kind of cool, and I mean, it's the same thing that that information also travels with the the photo. Yes. In that, yes. if you upload that to Flickr or any of these other you know, photo sharing services, you can actually, again, generate these maps from your photos and go, and the same thing, like in iPhoto, you have that, a pin or some sort of icon there, you click on it and you can see all the photos from not only you, but from other people that were taken at that 
location. And yeah. so uh, I do. Does, that, does that metadata also travel over to some of these other uh, websites that are that deal with photography? Um, I know Flickr, it does, because what happens is that metadata yeah, does write, become it, part yeah, of the JPEG. Yeah, it writes it in, doesn't it? Yeah. So, but I'm not sure. Like I, 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 I like I said, I know Flickr definitely. Um, and having not used the other sharing sites as much as I use Flickr, I couldn't tell you. I would have to say, and I hate saying assume, but I would assume it would, since that metadata is there, just as much as your camera settings and your camera model are following along also yeah yeah now for steve for people that are starting to maybe graduate away from iphoto what kind of software would you recommend for them at the the next point and this is where you're kind of jumping from a great kind of everyday type app and you're jumping into like the pro apps or a prosumer or prosumer is you're at that point, you're kind of looking at aperture. Um, if you've lived in iPhoto and you've liked the way iPhoto worked, um, aperture is the big brother, big sister to it. Um, what's nice is it does recognize the file format um, from iPhoto. From iPhoto. Now, we should mention that this is also an Apple application. It, it is. It certainly is. So there's, there's a lot of kind of handshaking that goes on between the two so um but that's kind of where the similarity ends i mean you're you're talking about a program if you love iphoto and you're used to it jumping to aperture there's definitely a learning curve there but it's worth it though because you definitely have a uh better way of uh organizing your photos you can get a little bit more finite in your control and the editing is unbelievable that that's when you're um, kind of <laughs> yeah i was just going to jump in there actually steve and say if the editing in iphoto frightened you don't don't go to aperture <laughs> well and then or, or and photoshop then, for that matter right oh, right well, and then well or actually lightroom, or lightroom right and i was going to bring up lightroom as adobe's competitor to um aperture and in that case if you do use iphoto and you go over to Lightroom, you're going to be importing that your photos in again, yeah. and you're not going to lose metadata necessarily, but you may you're not going to bring over the events or your albums the way you had them necessarily, or the, or the faces, because I think the right. new uh, the new aperture actually now now it it captures the faces identify the, that information that's captured. It, it can keep that as well, can't it? Exactly, exactly. The version three that's out now. It's funny how that feature was part of iPhoto first and then made it into their into the pro, pro app. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go figure. But no, but that's well, if it's good really, enough for iPhoto. Right. <laughs> but even taking a step back, like say if you like the way iPhoto um and, and Guy even mentioned it had mentioned it, but I do want to make sure we, we um say it again in the show so people realize it. Say you love iPhoto, you like the way it organizes your photos, but you do want to have a little bit more power editing. What's nice is you could go into preferences and yeah. change the editor. Like if you, yeah. and then so you could either, what I was doing for the longest time was iPhoto to actually Photoshop elements. Um, and what's nice is you go out, you do, which gives you a lot more features than what you would yeah. get in iPhoto as far as editing. And of course, you can use the Photoshop plugins or compatible plugins. Um, do all your stuff, you click save. And close uh, and close out elements, and that photo is in your iPhoto library and showing up in right. iPhoto with, and it's, with whatever edits you made in Photoshop. Exactly. So it's it's very cool. So even that would even be 
in my mind, the next step, even before going on mm-hmm. to Aperture, is that if you want more control over your editing and you want to maybe get into some of the, you know, what you can do in the digital darkroom. Now, the, fun, now, the, now, the funny thing is, I knew that that facility was there, Steve, but it wasn't until you kind of said that you can see those adjustments back in iPhoto that it's just suddenly clicked that that is a great stepping stone, isn't it? It is. It is. And and you have the same kind of options that you had even using iPhoto's editor that if you don't like the way that photo came out, again, it's the right click or control click where you just tell it to revert back to the original yeah. or revert back to previous. So it's, again, it's funny. When iPhoto first came out, I kind of shied away from it and had other people shy away from it because I didn't have great experience with it. This version, and again, I think we're kind of due for some new you know, iLife applications or at least some big updates to the iLife apps. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm waiting to see which of them are going to make it over to the iPad. I I wouldn't be surprised if that's not what we've been waiting on, is for Apple to release the iPad, let it get a little bit more of a worldly kind of distribution, and then I think they're going to release an iPhoto. I, I think it's going to have features in there that are going to blow us away and also interface that much more with their you know, with their hardware, especially the, the iPad. But it's, I mean, I, I really, really do like this new version of iPhoto. And it's, and even if people are kind of just getting into iPhoto, I mean, there's definitely books out there, but do Google searches, do. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, I mean, but Apple's, Apple's own site, they've got, exactly. some, got some great uh, yep. screencasts. And obviously, talking about screencasts, there's yeah. a certain Don McAllister that you can always look for. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, who? I mean, <laughs> a Mr. Don McAllister. Um, <laughs> but you, um, Apple themselves have got some great screencasts, actually, to, to check out and have a look, uh, especially if you're starting with it. Well, not only that, you could, you could go over to, uh, uh, to YouTube itself. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, find all kinds of, of tips and tricks and tutorials over yeah. right over there. Yeah, what I, what I like about the Apple site is they're, they're nice, neat, short little clips about specific items. And, they're, they're, you know, it's a good, a good starting place. Right. Usually Great. two or three minutes and, and you're done. That was a good point. I, I completely forgot about Apple's, um, you know, little training area over there. But, no, that's definitely a good idea. Cool. Cool. Well, Steve, it's been an absolute blast having you on. Thank you. No, it's been great being here. It was. It's really kind of cool being on something on the My Mac podcast. I, I've been following My Mac for the longest time, so that was really kind of cool to get this invite. Oh well, I mean, it's great to have you. On because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like, and and I you know I I say this in in the the nicest way possible, I guess, for myself. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff. Even though I've been using Mac since you know 1987. Mm-hmm. There's stuff I learn every day where I just kind of sit there and, and like you know pound my <laughs> pound my palm into my forehead and go oh well, you, I didn't know that oh, yeah, yeah and you learned something tonight didn't you guys yes I did about network drives uh, actually before we go could you please go over that very very quickly Steve oh okay fast all right uh, in again in the little downtime here when we weren't on uh, we had a discussion about network drives so if you have a drive that you always connect to say you have a home server or a um, uh, well, in, in Guy's case, it was going to be a USB drive connected to a time. Uh, no, capsule. Airport Extreme. Oh, an Airport Extreme. So again, that's going to be a drive that's on all the time. Well, the problem was is every time the computer went on, you of course have to go and you got to search for it and reconnect to it and whatever. So the tip there is, if there's a drive that you want to mount automatically when you turn your Mac on, you mount that drive, whether it shows up in a Finder window or on your desktop. 
you're going to go into, and this is where it gets, it sounds little crazy. A little tricky. A <laughs> little tricky, but it really isn't. No, you open up system preferences, you go into your accounts, you go into login items, and you drag that hard drive over so it appears in your login items. And every time you go to start that computer, that Mac, it will automatically connect to that to drive. That drive to <laughs> that external you know, network drive. You said that, and I was like, Oh, what? Oh. And the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing, I thought, hey, guy, didn't you know that? I do that all the time. No, I did not know that. I did <laughs> not okay. know that. It's great having discussions with people because things like that crop up. And okay. it's the same thing for me, too. That, that's why it's great talking to other Mac people because then you're like, wait, you that's how you do it? Or, yeah. or just even the way they use their Mac or a piece of software that they use. And it's like, how did I never hear about that? So it, it, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Steve, real quick, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do it? I was going to make a joke there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, so we let's see. Well, usually yeah, we like a, jokes. a nice, a good dinner is a good way to start. But um, <laughs> no, you can find me at the macattack.tv um, or on Twitter at TMA Steve. And just to kind of plug one of the other podcasts that I was there kind of at the beginning with and still participate in when I can is the is Mac Roundtable podcast. That you can find that at macroundtable.com. And it's it's usually a revolving group. table. I know yeah. that doesn't make that much sense, but a revolving group, <laughs> that's a good way to put it, of um, a lot of us. And there's always kind of guests coming in and sitting in and stuff. And uh, that's it's a lot of fun. But really for me, the macattack.tv or uh, on Twitter is TMA Steve. And guys, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Oh, it was it was a pleasure. Well, we're definitely going to have you on. You know, <laughs> after, you know, of course, once people finally manage to you know finish listening to this very very long podcast, uh, Gaz, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, I don't know. I've got to wake up first. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of wine, you know. Not, no, yeah, nice and easy. You can uh, you can send feedback into my Mac. Um, so that's feedback at mymac.com, or you can find me on the Twitter, Twitterverse, which is uh, gaz, uh, twitter.com forward slash gazmaz. Yep, and I can be found at uh, twitter.com forward slash macparrot. Uh, you can also get a hold of me at guy at mymac.com. So with that, for Gaz and for Steve and for myself, I want to wish you all a great evening or morning or whatever you're going to listen to this very long show. And we'll see you all next week. And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to podcast at MyMac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, My Photo Tech Podcast, Your Own Victory Garden, and Sam's Cool Picks. All available in iTunes.